Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The word's very clear on how the Lord looks at us. And especially if you're his son or his daughter, you're very precious to God. Like, nah, I don't, it doesn't matter how you feel. It's not about your feelings. Truth usurps feelings all the time, all the time. I don't always feel precious to God, but the truth is I am. Everybody needs encouragement at some point in their life. Even if your day is going well, a little encouragement is always welcome. Today, Pastor James continues looking at the book of Daniel. In this chapter, we see Daniel receive some encouraging words straight from heaven. An angel speaks to him and lets him know that he is precious to God. This isn't just good news for Daniel, it's also good news for you. You are precious to God. You're cared for, loved, prayed for, and even watched over by God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. in Daniel chapter 10, which is a really cool chapter concerning all this prophecy stuff. We've been heavy, heavy into prophecy. Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, chapter 9, all future events and crazy future events. And Daniel chapter 9 with really like the, you know, Daniel was given the specific exact day Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem. And you do the math and Jesus at the Palm Sunday triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the back of the donkey, people waving palm branches and all that good stuff. The exact day that he rode into Jerusalem, all you got to do is subtract some years, going backwards, and that's exactly when Daniel was told it was going to happen. You can't even make this stuff up. Like it's, it's that precise. I really like Daniel chapter 10 because it's almost like a break. And you can understand this if you've ever had to like take in a lot of information in every single one of us, some people can take in more than others, but every single one of us hits a point where it's like, no mas, like I can't take in any more. Like I, I got to process this and I don't even know where to put this. And that's where we find Daniel. So Daniel chapter 10, verse one, it says, I'm going to read from New Living Translation. It says, in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, which was his Babylonian name had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. So he has a vision, but we don't really know what this vision is, okay? What we do know is that this is in the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, which that means that this is two years after the first decree for the children of Israel to go back home, okay? So what Daniel has gotten to see within his life, this means he's about 85, 84, 85 years old, which means he got to live long enough to see his people set free because they were in captivity his whole life. He goes to Babylon probably around age 14. He's taken away from his family, has to grow up in this foreign place, learn new language, new customs, and all that good stuff, and he lives his entire life in a place that's not his home. 
in a place that's not his home. Hey, guess what? You and I are living our entire lives in a place that's not our home. It's not our home. But isn't it amazing when we get to see people that we care about set free? Because Daniel got to watch that happen. This is two years after the first decree. There would be other decrees that go along, but Daniel gets to see that happen. And and that was all part of chapter 9 as well. Daniel was reading his Bible, and in the book of Jeremiah, he saw 70 years we were going to be captive. And he knew, he did the math, and he's like, that's going to happen in like three years. So five years from Daniel chapter 9, that's where we pick up. This is two years after the first decree. And so Israel is headed back. What he knows about that being a governmental official is he gets the ends on the reports that are happening. So he knows that they're going back. He knows that they started laying the foundation, but he also knows they're having a lot of difficulty and trouble. And so this is probably what prompts him to pray and to fast because he's moved, because he cares about his people. He cares about the temple. He cares about their freedom. But he gets this vision and all this good stuff. Verse 2, it says, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, so just bland food. No meat or wine crossed my lips. I used no fragrant lotions. I didn't anoint myself until those three weeks had passed. So this isn't necessarily like a, a fast. Well, this is really just an act of almost like discipline. It's kind of an act of discipline. And, and what Daniel is doing here is like, I've gotten a bad, you know, I've seen this vision. I've also probably gotten some bad reports and all that good stuff. So what I'm going to do is just, I'm going to deny myself for three whole weeks. I'm going to just deny myself for three whole weeks. And I'm going to focus in on praying for these people that I love so dearly. And that's a good practice. It's a really good principle for us to incorporate within our walks with Jesus. There are three things that Jesus mentioned that he expects us to be doing. Praying is one of those. When you pray. We talk about this all the time. Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, right? When you, when you give, we're, easy, we're expected to give. And when you fast, we're expected to fast. And so we always categorize that, and we're not wrong for doing this, but you always categorize that as laying aside something for a certain amount of time, right? And usually that's food because we love food, right? And our bodies love us to put more food in our body, right? That's just, that's just how it is. If you don't know how much you actually love food, try fasting, all right? And then half an hour into the day, you're going to be like, man, I'm so hungry. You're not. You're not. But your body's trying to tell you that you are because your body wants to control you. That's why you deny that. There are other practices and elements there of denying yourself of certain things for a certain amount of time. Now, can you categorize that as fasting? Yes, but it's not, he wasn't withholding himself, you know, food from himself. He just was like, I'm not going to eat the things that I like to eat. No savory dishes. I'm just going to eat what I need to eat in order to survive, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not looking for enjoyment in, in the things I'm taking in. Why? Because my focus is on the people of Israel. And that's a really good thing to incorporate within your life every so often. If news comes across your desk, so to speak, that disturbs you concerning people that you care about, well, try this practice of denying yourself certain luxuries for a certain amount of time so that you can focus in on praying for them. I mean, you can call that fasting as well, but technically... 
in our definition of it, he's not doing that. He's just not going to eat good food. No meat, no wine. So it's almost as if he's gone back to that Daniel chapter one, the Daniel diet, right? Like it's just all veggies, right? So he's like, I'm going to deny myself for a certain amount of time so that I can pray, so I can pray. Verse four gets very specific. It says, on April 23rd, Okay, now this is a New Living Translation, so yours may say the 24th day of the first month. That's all according to the Hebrew lunar calendar. But when you compare the two together, it's April the 23rd of 536 BC. On this day, exactly, specifically. I love that about the book of Daniel. It's very specific. That also causes problems because a lot of people don't believe that Daniel wrote this book because he's so specific. They're like, no, this had to been somebody hundreds of years later writing this. No, he wrote it, and he was very good at detailing certain things. It's no coincidence that he calls himself Belshazzar at the beginning of it, because he's, in doing that, he's, he's auto, automatically making this a, like a, a legal document, so to speak, right? An official document, okay? On April 23rd, he says, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing, With a belt of pure gold around his waist, his body looked like a precious gem. Your Bibles may give a a certain gem, but don't worry about that. We'll talk about that in a second. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people or like uh, raging waters. I like that one better. So, all right, so we see this. Who does that sound like to you guys? Jesus, give the Sunday school answer, okay? Because it works here, right? This is the, it does work here. We see this exact same description. I'm going to turn over to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. You can turn there if you like. I'm not going to lie to you, but just in case you want to hold me accountable, Revelation, chapter 1, the apostle John, whom Jesus loved, as he liked to call himself, in verse 14 Actually, starting in verse 13 of chapter 1, it says, And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a title that is used very frequently in the book of Daniel concerning Jesus. Okay? So John's writing this in Revelation 1, and he says, uh, He was wearing a long robe with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were as white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in the furnace, and his voice thundered like many ocean waves or many waters, okay? So more than likely, this is Jesus appearing in the book of Daniel, not for the first time. He's already been in Daniel. We saw him. If you go back into chapter 3 of Daniel, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get tossed into the fiery furnace, there was a fourth guy in the fire with them, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And that should encourage you and I today because it doesn't matter how hot it gets circumstantially within your life, he's in the fire with you. You're like, I don't, doesn't feel like he is. He is. He is. And he showed up right here. Daniel's like on the great Tigris River and he looks out and he sees what I believe is Jesus. He sees Jesus. Jesus knows how to show up in our lives at those most like desperate times. Here's Daniel for three weeks, you know, kind of like, I'm just going to say it, 
fasting. Okay, I'm just going to say it. He's like fasting. He's withholding these delicacies from himself because he, I believe he's so concerned about the children of Israel. And it's in the midst of that. And he's had these visions and it's just heavy. It's, it's heavy. I mean, it's war and it's destruction. And he knows all of its future and it's going to be happening to his people and to this country that he loves so much. And it's just heavy because he's just taking it in and he's taking it in. And, and you, your heart can only take so much. But then if you look up, you might just see him too. You might just see him too. You might just get a glimpse of Jesus in the midst of that heavy situation. And he sees this. He sees Jesus and he says, verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So there's Daniel and apparently he's got some guys with him and uh, he sees Jesus. The other guys don't see him. It kind of reminds me of Paul on the road to Damascus, or I should say Saul on the road to Damascus, where he has that encounter with Jesus. The guys who are with him are like, they don't really know what's going on. They know something's happening, but they don't know what's going on. So not like Saul did. And here, whoever these guys are with Daniel, they split. They're out of there. But Daniel's left. I mean, Daniel's staying. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. I got to check this out. What's going to happen to Daniel is what happens oftentimes with a lot of people who encounter Jesus. They end up on their face. You just end up on your face. But one good point within that, with these guys being terrified and running away, for you and I as followers of Christ, you stand when nobody else is. You stand. If Jesus shows up, you don't run away. <laughs> you stay put. You stay put. You stand. Even if it's crazy, even if it's crazy, even if it's in the midst of crazy circumstances, Christians ought to stand. They just ought to stand. Why? Because you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. So stand. Verse 8, so I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. And how sad is that? There's Daniel. He had guys with him. It doesn't tell us that they couldn't see the vision. It's just that they didn't see the vision. But nowhere in there is an indication that they weren't able to see it. And Daniel's like, I was there by myself, and I got to see a pretty sweet sight. So there's Daniel, and he's going to give us his account. He says, my strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. So Jesus opens his mouth, and he speaks, and Daniel's like, boom. He's just on the ground. He's on the ground, which is a proper response when you hear, when you hear Jesus. Do you remember when you first heard that voice? Like, maybe not an audible voice, because I don't want anybody to feel bad, because you may be thinking, like, I've never heard a voice. I'm not talking about necessarily an audible voice because I don't believe I've ever heard an audible voice, but I have heard a voice and I'm not crazy. Like you're like in your head, kind of, not in my head, but in my heart, in my heart. I was 19 years old and he showed up in my room. He showed up in my room and he spoke to me. Was he literally physically there? Yeah. But no, but yes, like, I mean, he was enough to where, what happened? I was on my face. I was on my face and he spoke to me. So James, you're a sinner. Yes, I know that. I realize that now, Lord, I do. And I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to die and go to hell. 
I want to go to heaven. He's like, well, come on. When he shows up and when he speaks, man, I don't know if you remember that, for that moment where that happened to you, where he showed up to you in the midst of whatever that thing was. And maybe it was like a, a specific verse for that day that you read, but that, this is him speaking. We don't need the audible voices all the time. And if anything, I mean, primarily he speaks to us through his word, which is why we always emphasize, read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Like, I'm not hearing from the Lord. Are you reading the word? Yeah? Okay, well, keep reading. Just keep reading. Perseverance. You just keep reading. Maybe you're not hearing his voice because there's just too much going on in your life. And the distractions are turned up to 10. And you need to turn everything down. Because what you're listening for is like maybe a loud shout. And the whole time he's been whispering. Because oftentimes that's what he does. We know that. Who is that? Elijah, who was on the mountain. And God wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the thunder and the lightning. He was in the still, small voice. Sometimes we just got to quiet things down so we can hear that whisper. Okay? We live in a crazy, busy world. It's chaotic. And it's no coincidence that the world we live in is getting more and more chaotic and just busy with distractions. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to hear the whisper, all right? So there's going to be more distractions. There's going to be more stuff. And we're going to count it. We're going to attribute all these things to good productivity type things. And they're not always that. They're distractions. Learn to shut it off, turn it off, set it aside so that you can dedicate certain portions of your day so that what? So that you, if he's whispering to you, you'll hear that whisper, you got to give him a chance. We got to give him a chance. Here, Daniel, the Lord speaks to him, and he's just like, he gets sick, and he just like faints. He like passes out, like he's his face first on the ground. And then what seems to happen here is that Jesus leaves because the next guy in the story is not Jesus. It's not. This is now an angel. So I know a lot of people are like, well, it probably was never Jesus, but. Daniel's not passing out or fainting at the voice of any angels. He, just like John in Revelation, hid his face in the presence of Jesus. So Jesus exits, and now what we believe is probably Gabriel, because Gabriel was in chapter 9. I believe this is him where he shows up, because it says, verse 10, just then a hand touched me and lifted me. Still trembling, Daniel, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. And what I love about that is that can be one of those things that's applied directly to yourself. You're like, I don't think you know my story. I don't have to know your story. I don't have to know your, I don't need to know your business. Because the word's very clear on how the Lord looks at us. And especially if you're his son or his daughter, you're very precious to God. Like, nah, I don't, it doesn't matter how you feel. It's not about your feelings. Truth usurps feelings all the time, all the time. I don't always feel precious to God, but the truth is I am. I don't always act like a precious child of God. (laughs) Doesn't change the truth, though. 
and he's going to relay more info to Daniel concerning how God, how God looks at him and how God looks down at you and me. If you're covered by the blood of Jesus, this is how he sees you. You are precious. You are you loved, well-loved. I mean, you can change out those terms. You're very precious to God. And he says, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, Daniel is speaking now, I stood up, still trembling, still a little shaky, right? But the angel's like, look, here, you got to get up because I got to tell you something. Then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel. Do not be afraid. You guys know the deal? Most, the most repeated command in the Bible? Do not be afraid. It's written in the Bible 365 times. Okay? So there you go. For every single day of the year, you have a verse telling you, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Here's Daniel. He is encouraged by this angel who's a messenger. That's what angels are. They're messengers. And he tells them, do not be afraid, Daniel. He says, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Well, that's encouraging. Because like day one, when Daniel started praying, heaven was listening. Day one, when you started praying for this or that or him or her, heaven opened up its its ears to you. Where's my answer? Maybe, maybe there's a spiritual battle going on. Just maybe there's something happening beyond the world that we see that is delaying that answer. Which means what? Which means we just keep praying. There was a reason why Jesus told his followers, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. He knew something that we, don't, we didn't know and we don't know. There's a whole other realm out there, guys. There's a whole other dimension. I find it fascinating that all these like, superhero movies coming out, they all want to talk about like these alternate dimensions and stuff like that that I don't even understand. I just watch them and I'm like, huh? Um, okay. But the reality of that is like there are other dimensions out there that we are totally oblivious to. And the Bible is very clear about. If we read our Bibles, we know that this is true. There's an unseen realm out there. And there's a war that's raging right now. That's awesome. And I... There's one story in the Bible, we'll, we'll get there in a second, where like somebody's given a glimpse at it, and I'm like, that'd be really sweet. Can I, Lord, is there, ch- can I see something like that? Because that'd be pretty cool. I don't know if he'll ever let me, but uh, man, how rad would that be? Anyways, so this angel, Gabriel, I believe it's Gabriel, shows up and he's like, look, uh, when you start praying, we heard you, and we sent an answer. However, there was a delay, right? It got stuck in some shipping container in the Pacific Ocean. Anyways, um, back to this. He says, it, it was heard in heaven. The rest of that sentence goes on, or actually the next sentence says, I have come in answer to your prayer, verse 13. But, however, for 21 days, for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Wait, what? There was a spiritual interference. He's like, I was on my way with the answer, and the Prince of Persia held me up for three whole weeks. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the book of Daniel together, and it's quite an interesting book to cover. From fiery furnaces to strange visions to having a faith that goes against society enough to be thrown to the lions, the book of Daniel is anything but boring. In fact, we hope your faith is spurred on because of what you read and learn in this book. If you need to hear this message again or would like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come and visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Wednesday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us anytime. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. You can also get directions there. We're excited to meet you and spend time in worship with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Daniel and gear up for what's ahead in this prophetic book. It's almost like a roller coaster ride where you're not sure what's around the next corner, but what you'll come to find out is rather thrilling, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.